millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com there. Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom. Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! How are you? I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin <laughs> another grand experiment? I am. I'm very ready. Let's go! All right, let's give it a whirl. Okay, so... Uh, I just want to take a minute and say how excited I am to have so many listeners and just thank each and every one of you for listening every week. And I know that there are those of you who are actually listening every week, and that's very exciting. Don't you think, Chandler? Yes, it's very exciting. Thank you so much to uh, everyone and all the support uh, that we have from uh, people that we know and people that we don't know. Uh, All of you are uh, very much appreciated. Uh, Now, uh, before we get into uh, this week's proceedings, uh, I've been told uh, by my mom that we have a a correction uh, that she would like to uh, uh, address. Yes, I would. I was listening to the Dick Clark episode, and I realized that I had uh, described something in error. When each house has 30 degrees, that is true. But the houses don't go from 1 to 30. They go from 0 to 29. So I just wanted to make that really clear because if you have a a planet in a sign that's at 0 or 29 degrees, then um, with my explanation, you could be wondering why there aren't any with 30 degrees. And that's because it goes from 0 to 29. It still counts out 30 degrees, but it unusually just starts at 0 instead of 1. So I wanted to correct that. Uh, Okay, so uh, I think we can consider that corrected now. Uh, I'm sure (laughs) that uh, most people didn't even notice. But, uh, you know, that is our uh, uh, commitment to you, the listener, that even the errors that you do not notice, we will be sure to tell you that they were there and then correct ourselves. (laughs) Yes. Uh, so, uh, and, you know, if we have anybody who, uh, this is your first episode, uh, welcome to History and Retrograde. Uh, the way that we do things here is that in a moment, I will give the astrological birth data of a random historical figure to my mother. 
Uh, now, I, of course, know who this uh, historical figure is because I selected the person, and you, the listening audience, already know who it is because it's in the title of today's episode, but Mom has no idea who this person could be. Uh, so, in a moment, I will give her the uh, data necessary to create an astrological birth chart. That is the birth time, date, and location of this mystery history guest. She will then input that information into the back computer, and out will come the astrological birth chart, where all the planets, moons, and stars were at the moment that person was born. I will then uh, give uh, uh, a few discussion questions uh, about the person as Mom does her initial reading of the chart, uh, telling us all of the personality traits and characteristics and fortunes of this uh, historical figure. I will then reveal to her who uh, this mystery history guest is, give a little background about the person, and then we will discuss how accurate the chart was at predicting that person's life. Uh, so without further ado... Let's begin. Okay, let's go. Uh, this is a male. All right. Born on the 20th of January. Uh -huh. Oh, okay. 1798. Oh, my. Okay. All right. And the town? Seek Onk, Massachusetts. Okay, I'm going to need you to spell that for me. <laughs> S-E-E-K-O-N-K. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Yes, I didn't want to even attempt that one. Okay. Uh, here we go. Uh, so again, this is a male born on January 20th, 1798. Uh, we could not find a birth time, so we will go with noon in the United States. Seekonk, Massachusetts. Okay, just making this a little bit bigger. Goodness gracious. Okay, so this is another very dynamic person, okay? Clearly, they have planets all the way around their chart, okay? All the way around their wheel. They practically have something in every house. They do have a concentration in the 11th house. Can you see that, Chandler? I can. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm going to make it just a little bit bigger. There we go. Okay. Uh, this way I can go back and forth. Okay. So since we do not know the birth time of this person, we're going to uh, go through the planets, all right, and how they uh, connect to each other, all right? So we start here. Let's just start on this side with uh, sun is at zero degrees Aquarius. Okay, so what I just said about having something at zero or 29, and here this person has zero degrees sun in Aquarius, right? And they have 29 degrees, uh, Pluto at 29 degrees Aquarius. Okay, so uh, that is very interesting because it makes everything more dynamic, all right, when it's right on that uh, change on that cusp. Okay, they also have moon in Pisces. All right, Mercury in Aquarius, Venus in Pisces, Mars in Sagittarius, Jupiter in Aries, Saturn in Cancer, Uranus in Virgo, Neptune in Scorpio, Pluto in Aquarius, and North Node in Gemini. Okay, 
That is a lot, <laughs> right? That is a whole lot. That is so much. Uh, okay. So let's just look at uh, the planets in general. Okay, well, let's start with North Node, all right? Uh, North Node in Gemini, right? We don't know what house it's in, but if you have a North Node in Gemini, you have to talk. You have to communicate. There is no way around you can't get around it you 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 unless you literally choose not to follow the path that you're on which is to go you know towards the north node and that's a south node um you you have to be a communicator so this person must have been a very good communicator um now we have along with that all right, this person has one, two, three planets in Aquarius, all right, which trine all that Gemini in the North Node, right? So they have Sun, Mercury, which is, oh my. Okay, so their Mercury is in Aquarius, right? Their North Node is in Gemini, which is communications, but their Mercury is in Aquarius, which would make them very uh, future thinking, like, uh, because their Mercury is in such a unique, having Mercury in Aquarius puts you in a different kind of mindset from the rest of the world, all right? Because you are definitely uh, ruled by Uranus. You think of the, the people as one people, you know? So a lot of humanitarian there. Uh, a lot of communications about humanitarian things, all right? And then their sun conjunct that Mercury. No matter how you look at it, you know, even if we're looking at this chart, if this was their rising sign, right, which we don't know if it is, but see, you have a sun at zero degrees, all right? And then you have Mercury at 13 degrees. So they are conjunct by sign. They are not conjunct by degree, which would be like a five-degree orb. So, um very motivated towards communication of humanitarian things, all right? Now, let me say also that if this person, which I find it very hard to believe that this person would not be following their north node path, if they were to follow their south node path, that would be the opposite side of the chart, right? And that would be Sagittarius. So if they were somehow following their south node they would be much more Sagittarian, right? But I have a feeling that's not the case. And yet. could you describe a little bit about what that might look like? Okay, so if they were following the Sagittarius path, which would be uh, not what they were supposed to do in this life, right? They There would be someone who just chose absolutely not to accept any of the hints or or direction that's given by the universe or whatever because everything leads us on our path right mm -hmm. so uh they would be a very um uh gregarious uh um kind of ride into the fray uh fearless kind of fiery person right? so that's if they were not doing if, if they were not following this north node in gemini okay um so 
in this situation, this person has enough other stuff, right? They have Mars in Sagittarius, okay? So they have enough <laughs> to get them to ride into the fray anyway. But in this situation, they might not be using or utilizing, if they were following their south node path, they would they might not be utilizing their their brilliant ability of uh, incredible communication, okay? Being able to put words together, being able to write, being able to write speeches, being able to write books, being able to, you know, communicate with the masses. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's something there regarding that North Node and Gemini and communication, so... Um, all right. And let me go, let me just go here. I'm just going to start going around this way to, uh, the Pluto in Aquarius, right? So not only does this person have sun in Aquarius and Mercury in Aquarius, they have Pluto in Aquarius. Okay. So that is extremely powerful and so much about humanitarian, you know, uh, because it's uh, the power planet. And it's also uh, people who have Pluto. Wherever your Pluto is, okay, is the ability to uh, shine light on hidden things, right? Because Pluto is also secrets, you know? Hello? Yes, yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I'm... I'm in a traveling studio and I just wanted to make sure you were still there. So Pluto is, uh, you know, it's, Pluto rules Scorpio. So it's all the Scorpio things, right? So it's anything that is secret. It's sexuality. It's, um, um, there's this really intense loyalty thing that Scorpios have while at the same time being able to manipulate whatever they want. So when you have this in, Aquarius, right? It sort of sidesteps all that Scorpio and puts you into power of humanitarianism. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay, and in a and and in really powerful way. All right. So now we move forward to the Moon and Venus, right? In Pisces, and they are just about conjunct by degree. Okay, you have the Moon and Pisces conjunct. Venus in Pisces. So that's also that whole humanitarian dream, uh, visionary, um, uh, creative uh, humanitarianism. Am I making any sense? Does this make sense for this person, what I'm saying? I think that um, that there are some things that make a lot of sense, and then mm -hmm. uh, some things that, um, you know, uh, uh, I think this is a person who was forced to do a lot of things that they didn't want to. Uh, okay. So it is uh, possible that there are aspects of their life that they never completely embraced and other mm -hmm. things that were thrust upon them so there yeah there's a lot of stuff that makes sense and then some stuff not as much okay so let's move forward let's move to this uh jupiter okay this jupiter in aries and then having mars all right in sag so here you have jupiter the planet of benevolence the planet of of uh uh 
whatever, like if you, if you need something and you have Jupiter there, then you will receive it. You know what I mean? Like if you need, let's say you have Jupiter in the second house, right? If you have Jupiter in the second house and it's not badly affected, you should just have a life of benevolence, right? But in this situation, this person has Jupiter in Aries in the 12th house. So we know that the 12th house is karma, right? We know that Aries, Mars, rules Aries, and that's war, okay? And warlike things. And then we have this Mars over here in the 7th house of partnerships in Sagittarius, okay? Trining this Jupiter in Aries. That is a lot of fire, warlike, hunter behavior. You know what I mean? And so there it's a... it's lessons with that? Or it no, is... No, Saturn is lessons. Okay, so this Saturn. is just another mm-hmm. aspect uh, of them could be this... Uh, uh... Right, because, see, we're looking at this chart from the perspective of we don't know what time they were born. Right. So as I see this, we set it at noon, so we put Taurus rising, right? But we uh-huh. don't know if that's real. But it doesn't matter what house these fall in. Because no matter where we put this, no matter what time we make this person their their birth time, they're still going to have Jupiter in Aries trining Mars in Sagittarius, all right? Which is going to make them like a pillar of fire, okay? Mm. They have, because it's Jupiter and Mars, ugh, this, I, that would be really intense to have to go up against this person because they are uh, a real force to be reckoned with okay um with all of the air in all of the you know planets that they have in aquarius and then that north node in gemini air all that air breathing on that fire that is a combination for uh an awful lot of power okay um and energy an awful lot of energy you know what i mean so let's go to saturn okay when saturn is your planet of lessons right now here we have this very interesting dynamic with this person okay because this person has saturn in cancer all right and they also have moon and venus and pisces and those trine each other so this person could have been very conflicted with how they want to nurture and care about things and how they have to conquer it in a way. I mean, there's definitely conquering going on here. And then uh, let's look at their Uranus in Virgo. Okay, so Uranus in Virgo. Hmm. Why? Uranus in Virgo is uh, a powerful... Virgonian behavior because it's that also conflicts right because Uranus is very unexpected very futuristic very technological now Virgo is also very technological all right but Virgo likes to have everything planned out they want to have a path they want to have a plan they want to have a strategy you know they want it to be very organized and they want it to be the best all right, because Virgos like to be the best. They want their work to be the best. 
And there is no compromise for them with that. You know what I mean? And here this person has Uranus in Virgo, which is the opposite of what a Virgo would want. You know what I mean? A Virgo doesn't want unexpected. They want they want to be prepared for whatever, you know? So it could have made them super uh, preparatory, um, you know, really able to plan for the unexpected, maybe, you know? Uh, then we have Chiron in Libra. Chiron in Libra and Neptune in Scorpio. So, Chiron in Libra would be um, the wounded healer in, it would be in Libra. And Libra is really your most accommodating sign, right? Libra really, really doesn't like to rock the boat. They want everyone to like them. And usually everybody does because it's just easy to like. But that Chiron leads you to a place where you've had some issues with being able to do that or being able to uh, portray that or live that, you know. And so this person probably had issues with uh, people disagreeing with them, you know, um, that they had to overcome in order to complete the tasks that they were doing. And then Neptune in Scorpio, uh, Neptune in Scorpio is an ability to deal with darkness, like an ability to like understand or decipher or strategize. That's another, uh, because Neptune is very creative, right? And then we have all this Pisces up here and this Neptune in Scorpio, which is also water, but that Neptune in Scorpio is gonna be the most powerful of the water signs, you know what I mean? Because Cancer is very nurturing and Pisces is very dreamy and Scorpio is driven in their own way. Scorpios are not driven in a fiery way like a Sagittarius or a Leo or an Aries. Scorpios are driven in a methodical way, like they will contemplate how they're going to, you know, make whatever it is happen, right? And uh, so Neptune in Scorpio is a very interesting place because it gives them... Uh, the Neptunian aspects of Pisces, right? So creative uh, abilities, but it also gives them more power, more edge, more more of that scorpion's tail. You know what I mean? So this person could be methodical about dark things? It could be methodical about how to swim in those waters, yeah. Like how to swim in these and, waters. And by dark things, you mean... It could be anything from secrets to, um, you know, things that people consider wrong, you know? Um, also, it makes them very open to Scorpio things. 
uh, um, I just feel like this person was very driven towards something humanitarian. And having that Neptune in Scorpio gave them the knowledge of how you know, like these people are not, this person is not day tripping through the daisies. Okay. This person is intense and they need that darkness to understand what they're up against. Does that make sense? So they need like secrets to mm-hmm. understand well, they what they're up against. They yeah. need, I'm still unclear as to what darkness means. Well, darkness is darkness. They're the things we don't talk about in public, you know. So, Darkness uh, are, are you talking are bad, about the, bad things? So, uh, uh, crimes uh, uh, could be crimes, could be crimes against humanity, could be uh, it could be as simple as secrets, you know, hidden things. Um, so, this person would be attracted to secrets and secret things. Well, this person wouldn't necessarily be attracted to them, but they would recognize them. You know what I mean? They Whereas other people them. might, it might go right over their heads. Yeah. This person is definitely going to know if right. someone. And they're also not afraid to address dark things. And, and, and I'm saying this because it's Neptune, right? So Neptune is subconscious. Neptune can even be, you know... Uh, mental illness. I mean, it can go really far into the dream world, you know. And and what but this what, what is a... Neptune in Scorpio, which makes it all the Scorpio things, you know, all the Pluto things, death and rebirth. It makes it um, uh, hidden things, secrets, um, uh, sexuality, uh, and it's also a generational thing. So uh, because Neptune is like. It takes a very long time for it to go through to the next side. You know what I mean? So this this is a whole generation of people that are kind of savvy to this. You know. So the 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 dark things, the things, uh, the the underbelly of mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, life and the underbelly yes. of our emotions as well. Yes. So the rant, just in general, and and that there's an intensity the about that. That's accurate. Yes, it's very. Intense it's very in intense in the darker yeah. aspects of life, and yeah. this person can recognize those. Is mm-hmm. this person going to do anything about it? I feel that this person spent their life doing things about stuff. Because there's too that, much. That, that doesn't work. Doing okay, things like, about stuff. Like, let's say, okay, okay. so th- I don't think this person is an actor, all right? I don't think this person is a performer. Uh-huh. I mean, maybe they are, but I, th- if they are, they didn't necessarily, you know, uh, address their calling. Because they could be with that, you know, they have the moon in Pisces and they have Venus in Pisces. So they they could be a writer or maybe a musician they could be addressing that Pisces stuff right but i just feel that with all this aquarius all that humanitarian aspect to them and that north node in gemini of communications and 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 uh 
communications through the airwaves because that's kind of Gemini is, is communication through like television and radio and, you know, all that kind of stuff. More modern technology, not necessarily. I mean, lots of Geminis are writers and that's fine. But in this situation, this person is very dynamic. Like this person is lit up, you know. Uh, I can't imagine that this person would discover something that was the underbelly of whatever and then just, yeah, I've seen that before and walk away. I, I don't think that's this person's. So they're going to engage it in mm-hmm. some way. Yes. Yes. And I believe with that Mars and Sagittarius, they would, because Sagittarius people can be very white hat, you know, white knight people, you know? So I just can't see. And the Mars and Aries is just fearless. Like they'll walk into a fire, you know, but this is Jupiter in Aries. And then that's Mars and Sag, which time each other. So I, I just feel like this person is a, a real force to be reckoned with a serious, uh, I wouldn't want to go up against this person and be a bad guy. <laughs> I don't know if anything I'm saying makes any sense. <laughs> and I am not at my house, and that is a friendly kitty cat that you hear. <laughs> so, what do you think? Uh, I I think this is a very dynamic person. Uh-huh. I think he was pulled in a lot of different directions. Yes. And I think that there are definitely parts of what you just went through that make sense okay. and other parts that um don't. But when you say something like this person was lit up, are you saying mm-hmm. that in in terms of energy, like he had a lot of energy? I would think so. Okay. I would think that this person had a lot of energy. I mean, he's got all that aquarius and he's got that north node and in gemini and he's got all that fire he's Mm -hmm. got a lot of fire and air and you know i just feel like this person i feel like this was a really i don't know maybe i'm wrong but i feel like if this person is but i always think the best of people so if this was a really if this person was following the light path the path of good then they would be a very good person a very good guy Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe they're following the dark side of everything, and they're very bad. Then I'd have to readdress it. But it's really hard when you give me the ones that don't have a uh, birth time because I can't put anything in the houses. I just have to go by what the planets are, you know. So, but I mean, with Chiron, North Node, Pluto, um, Sun, Mercury. All in air signs, right? That is a lot of air, okay? And then have that, you know, uh, Mars in Sag and uh, Jupiter in Aries. That's a lot of fire, right? I mean, you don't need a lot of fire to have a lot of fire because fire is very intense. But when you blend all that air with that fire, you have a blowtorch. Mm-hmm. And it's in Aquarius, which is very humanitarian. And then you have this sweet Pisces moon, which could also make them a, a raging alcoholic. You know, I mean, you can go both sides. <laughs> but Pisces tends to be, you know, dreamy and and uh, creative and 
You know, it's also then you have Neptune as the illusion. So, um, I don't know. Do you have any questions? Uh, yeah. Um, what can you get any sense of what this person's outlook on life might be? Well, uh, I think there's a couple of different ways to look at that. You can look at their Mars and Sag, or you can look at their moon. You know, if you look at their moon, where their emotions are, they would be more, uh, <clears throat> well, what I see immediately when I think of a moon in Pisces is the fool card on the tarot, right? They're just bebopping through life, you know, and in, in uh, the Rider weight, they're about to step off a cliff. They've got a dog, you know, they're just bebopping through life, you know, but... There's that Mars and Sag, which is going to be very, you know, it's going to have a lot of direction and a lot of fire. And uh, so, it could, I mean, you know, it's very hard to tell without knowing <clears throat> what the houses are. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, I would think that this person with Sun conjunct Mercury conjunct Pluto in Aquarius they would be very humanitarian and be interested in we the people, you know? And, but the other side of that is control. It could be, yeah, Aquarius. The dark side of Aquarius is totalitarian. Like, they want to be absolutely in control. But I, it is very, I don't know any Aquarians. I've never met one. That, that exhibits that dark side because Aquarius is always so, um, so, uh, very much about, you know, helping, helping the people of the world. But yeah, they could be full-blown dictator and be really good at it. If this person was a dictator, oh no, I wouldn't want to. Uh-uh. This is this would be formidable. Okay. Uh I'd much rather hope that this person was a good guy. Because mm -hmm. if this person's a bad guy, everybody's in trouble. Um what a profession do you think this person would go into? Well, uh North Node in Gemini says that they can communicate, all right? If that North Node were to fall in like the fifth house, that would make them a leader, right? A leader of people, okay? And being able to communicate commands to those people. I don't know where uh, their North Node falls, but I would think that this person was a really good communicator. With the Jupiter in Aries uh, trining the Mars and Sag, that could make them uh, very very much a general you know it could make them a very excellent general you know mm -hmm. and then all of the um humanitarian in the sun conjunct mercury conjunct pluto a very powerful person um is this they've got they do have that saturn and cancer which is going to Force them to deal with nurturing. They have to nurture some kind of way, however mm -hmm. it is. 
So that force to nurture. Mm-hmm. And also very creative. If they are some sort of, I don't know how they could get away with not being some kind of military person. It, not with this going on, but maybe. Uh, they would be very creative with it. They would be able to, there's a creative artistic, like almost an artistic factor to the way that they would go about what they do. Okay. If that makes any sense. Um, is this a charismatic person? Uh, not necessarily. Because Aquarian people can be very standoffish. You know what I mean? Like Aquarians, even though they are moving and working towards the benefit of humanity, they also have this aspect to them that can make them feel like, why don't you all understand this? What is wrong with all of you that you don't just get this? You know what I mean? They're very, they're very futuristic in the way that they think. So it is possible that this person could be, uh, you know, people could feel intimidated by this person because of their uh, abilities in, you know, they're Mars and Sag and they're, but I mean, also Mars and Sag and it's very uh, gregarious, you know? So it's very hard for me to tell uh, because I don't have any houses to put these planets in. <laughs> if I knew what their first house was, then I'd be better off, but I don't. So, you know, it's difficult. They have aspects of creativity with their moon and their Venus, which makes them like artistic things and art and music and, it should. It should make them, you know, have that whole fool walking off the cliff kind of mentality. But then they've got these, you know, the, uh, very concerned with the future of the people. And then they have Saturn and Cancer, which makes them uh, need to nurture. So and then they have that <laughs> Uranus and Virgo, which is giving them this, you know, paradoxical situation where... Uh, they need to be in control of the things that are out of control. Um, what would this person uh, do if they were, if they felt that they were slighted or insulted? Um, I think that this person, first of all, with all the Aquarius and the Pisces, I don't know that this person would immediately attack the person that did it. They have the power to do that because of the Mars in Sag and the Jupiter in Aries. They could, they could lay them out. Okay. They could just destroy them if they wanted to, but there's this cerebral, uh, thinking almost, Hmm. Uh, they might even toy with them. <laughs> As they get back at them. I mean, it's a possibility. Plus, they've got North Node and Gemini. I mean, they should have the ability to literally just, I mean, explode with a, a, a vocabulary that this person who tried to slide them wouldn't even be able to keep up with. Okay. I don't know if that helps. Um... Does uh, credit uh, matter to this person? Uh, if this person is involved in a project and uh, the you know someone says that 
uh, one of the other teammates uh, got the project accomplished uh, when it was really him, what would that person do? No, I don't think that this person would stand for that. I don't think this person would just sit back and go, oh, well, no, I think this person would be like, mm, no, we're going to have to talk about this and uh, we're going to have to get this right. You know, I don't, I don't feel that this person would do that. Not with these, not with this chart. I don't, I don't think that this person, unless they're evil, because if they're evil, they're going to be really super evil because they have all of this uh, incredible stuff to be really good. Or they could be really evil, but I feel like this person's really good, and uh, or at least I hope they are, because uh, <laughs> it makes me, you know, I'm not great with thinking evil thoughts. I'm not good at that, so I I can't even. I have a really hard time with it. So, in this situation, I do not think that this person would allow themselves to be uh, just run over like that. This is not a person you run. You don't run over this person. Okay. Unless they're letting you do it so that then they can stick a bomb on your back as you drive by and you explode down the street. That might happen. Okay. But, you know, this person is not going to just let it go. Okay. Um, how is this person's self-esteem? Well, again, I don't know what their first house is. But with Jupiter striding mars in fire signs i don't think that they have a huge issue with their self-esteem but aquarians can be very um understated in their matter of fact self-esteem like an aquarius already knows where they stand like it's just something they know it isn't something they question. It isn't the same as like water signs or like a Cancer or a Pisces or, or someone that might be um, extremely insecure about what they can do, right? They might be insecure about emotions, okay? Because Aquarians don't do well with emotions because they're so cerebral, right? But if you come up against an Aquarius and you question what they know they can do, there is no problem with their self-esteem. They already know what they can do. And they want to know why you can't figure it out. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's pretty simple with an Aquarius. They're pretty... They're, they're, they're very... <laughs> they're very alien-like. <laughs> they see things from the other direction that people don't normally see it. Yes. Mm -hmm. Um. Can you get any ideas of what their appearance might be like? <sighs> That's also very hard without knowing what the houses are. Um, Aquarian people with this much Aquarius. Okay, so this is a triple Aquarius, right? It could be, it could be a quadrant. We don't know. I mean, I don't, this person could have Aquarius rising for all I know, but with sun conjunct Mercury conjunct Pluto in Aquarius, a person who has a lot of Aquarius in their chart is not going to be average. They aren't going to stand out in a way like, like a, a person who has Leo rising or a person who has Uranus in the first house or 
you know, something like that. But they will be unique, I would think, you know. Mm-hmm. There are some triple Aquariuses who really like to dress certain ways. You know what I mean, Chandler? Uh, I, I, I'm assuming you're referring to myself. <laughs> well, I mean, just as an example. Mm. <laughs> you have a very fabulous, unique way of dressing, and it makes you stand out, but it's understated. You see what I'm uh-huh. saying? Like, you're not, you are not a person who you know, burst into a room. You just walk in wearing your very unique, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And it's it's and it's spot on too. It's gonna be spot on, so I would think. And also they have this, you know, the moon and Venus and Pisces. So I mean that's created. Mm-hmm. So and then they got that fire. Oh my lord, that Jupiter and Mars and in fire. I don't know. They might I don't know though, because that Mars and Sag, it could be like a, a a uniform. I don't know. Uh well, are there uh any other things about this chart that you haven't uh, mentioned already? Well, I just really hope that I'm even close. Because this person uh I really hope that this is a good person because this is a person that I would enjoy knowing and I believe that I would respect this person. Mm-hmm. I believe that I would respect decisions that they make. I believe that I would think their decisions were very thought out and that they that there was underneath all of the uh you know there's 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 a side to this person that has to do these things because it's the right thing to do. And then there's the other side of this person that really cares about doing this. Does that make sense? So they're not just doing it like because they're taking orders from someone else. They're making these decisions because they feel these are the right decisions. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea who we're dealing with here. So okay. I could be completely wrong. Okay. Uh, well, I think uh, we're ready for the uh, summary of our findings. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, this is a person, uh, who is a natural communicator. They, uh, have to talk or write or, uh, communicate in some way. Uh, they're very future thinking. Uh, they have a unique mindset. Um, they are able to communicate about humanitarian things. Um, if they were following their south node, uh, so the opposite of what they were supposed to be would be a very gregarious, fiery, emotional, ride into the fray kind of a person. Um, they are extremely powerful, uh, humanitarian, dream visionary, creative humanitarianism, a pillar of fire, a force to be reckoned with, uh, lots of energy. Uh, conflict uh, between uh, nurture versus conquer uh, things, uh, plan for the unexpected, a very prepared person, uh, issues uh, with uh, uh, people disagreeing with them, uh, methodical about dark things, uh, secrets, intense, uh, dwell about darkness, uh, engage in darkness, in secret things, uh, could possibly be an alcoholic, uh, could be even keeled, very humanitarian, or very totalitarian, uh, could need control. 
a possible leader of people, a good communicator, forced to nurture, uh, not uh, charismatic, could be standoffish, uh, could have a disconnect with people, uh, very cerebral, uh, and uh, could be very cerebral uh, when getting back at someone who had slighted them. Uh, a, an understated person uh, could be insecure with emotions uh, and uh, could possibly uh, have uh, no problems uh, with their self-esteem. Uh, is there anything that I left out? Yes, and I just want to address also that sun is at zero degrees, right? It's at zero degrees Aquarius, which means there's a good five degrees of that sun in Capricorn, which could also make them have that control, right? Mm -hmm. That would also make them seem like they were in control. Uh, Capricorns have a very good and easy way of making themselves look like they're not emotional when they actually are. It's a very interesting dynamic that they have. I don't know that there are any other signs that can do it better than a Capricorn. It's, I think it's kind of weird, but I'm, I mean, I'm not saying that in a bad way. I have moon and Capricorn, so it's weird for me. But um, I think that there could be some of that control and, and, and ability to manipulate in that, in that zero degrees uh, Aquarian sun. And um, you mentioned some other thing about that. I wanted to say that the the whole, you know, triple Aquarius, and any time you have a person who has a lot of Aquarian planets, they look at the world as if they're not part of it. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? They see it as though, if I could just fix this, it would be so easy, mm -hmm. you know, where other people don't think like that. They don't even... They don't even really think about that, you know, and Aquarians see themselves as alienated from this humanity and that they could fix it, mm -hmm. you know, and that's why they're so humanitarian, because I believe they feel that they have the answer. <laughs> why can't they just do it so that it could it's, you know, that's all that's what they need. And it isn't something that they get real gushy about. They're very, you know, they're very intellectual about it. So. Uh, it's a very interesting thing. I, 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 I love all the signs, but Aquarians are, Aquarians are very interesting to me because they're so different and I like different. So there. <laughs> this is the astrological birth chart of Dr. Anson Jones. Really? Oh, that's very interesting. Okay. Very interesting. All right. Okay. I that's a very interesting person that you chose, Chandler. That's very, very, very good. Oh well this is a very interesting person. Please I must know all the history about this now. Uh so uh I'm most people probably uh that name doesn't ring a whole lot of bells, uh, Dr. Anson Jones. Uh, now, Mom and I, have we've uh, talked about this before, we are very proud Texans. And uh, one of the great things about our great state is that we were once a country. We were the Republic of Texas. And Dr. Anson Jones was the fourth and final president of the Republic of Texas. Uh, he is known as the architect of annexation. He is uh, uh, 
very much responsible for Texas entering uh, the United States. And uh, if you think about the profound implications that had on United States and world history, uh, then Anson Jones should be a little bit better remembered than he possibly is. Uh, so uh, Anson Jones uh, was born uh, January 20th, 1798 uh, in uh, Seekonk, Massachusetts. I'm probably not pronouncing that right at all, but it doesn't matter mm-hmm. because a few years later he would move to Great Barrington, Massachusetts, which is a lot easier to pronounce. Uh, <laughs> he was born to uh, Sarah Strong and Solomon uh, Jones. Uh, he was the youngest of 11 children. Uh, Solomon Jones, uh, his father, uh, was a tenant farmer, and he was a veteran of the American Revolution and the War of 1812. Uh, So uh, during uh, the American Revolution, uh, he uh, served at the Battle of Bunker Hill. Uh, He was also uh, present at the uh, surrender of Gentleman Johnny Burgoyne at the Battle of Saratoga. Um, uh, Solomon Jones, uh, very, he did not want his uh, children to be living uh, the same uh, tenant farmer life that he had. He wanted, uh, the best, uh, for his children and, uh, so set them up with different apprenticeships. Um, and when it came down to Anson Jones, uh, Jones wanted to be a printer. Uh, he very much loved reading and writing, and he uh, uh, loved reading books. He also had a lot of um, ailments when he was a young child. Uh, was very sickly, and uh, thought you know this was a printer's life would be uh, much easier uh, uh, than uh, other sorts of apprenticeships. Uh, but his father uh, did not. Uh, uh, do that for him, did not facilitate mm-hmm. an apprenticeship with a printer, instead uh, got him an uh, apprentice to a doctor. And so uh, he uh, would learn uh, the trade of medicine. Uh, at this time, uh, you could uh, uh, just go to a doctor and just learn how to be a doctor from that doctor. Or you could just say that you did that and show up in a random town and say that you were a doctor. Um, but, uh, Dr. Jones actually did, uh, the due diligence. He did, uh, practice, uh, for a while he would learn uh, under an apprenticeship, uh, but he very much did not enjoy medicine. And, uh, I can't say that I blame him very much as medicine in the early 1800s was a very nasty business involved lots (laughs) of saws and leeches and, uh, all sorts of, of, painful things and then after doing all that the person would probably die anyway uh so it was a a nasty business to be in and he wrote uh in his memoirs that uh uh, anyone who would come up to him and say if they should be a doctor he would advise them against it (laughs) uh so he uh, had difficulty uh uh, actually learning uh this trade that he didn't actually want to be and uh, eventually he would uh, go, uh, he would be a clerk under his brother for a while. He did all these odd jobs. Uh, eventually he incurred some debts and he had to run away from those debtors. He ran away to South America. 
Uh, he lived in Caracas, uh, Venezuela for two years. Uh, then he came back, he studied a little bit more medicine, and then uh, he went to uh, Philadelphia and he studied at Jefferson Medical College, uh, which uh, is still uh, there and still you, there are still medical students who go to Jefferson. And Jefferson claims Dr. Jones is one of their proud uh, uh, alumni. Um, there aren't a whole lot of medical colleges that can say that they had a president of a foreign country uh, as uh, one of their uh, first alumnus. Uh, so uh, continued traveling uh, throughout the Northeast, Philadelphia, New York, Boston. Uh, he got into uh, lots of, uh, he had a, a knack for getting into bad business ventures. Uh, he was not a businessman. Mm. He incurred lots and lots of debts. Uh, he was not one mm -hmm. to really care much about where the money was coming in, going out. It was, uh, and so he, he had to run away several times. Um, he eventually found himself in New Orleans, and uh, this would be a frequent stop throughout his life. Um, not exactly sure if uh, in this uh, 1832 period, if he had um, uh, practiced what he would later on in his life, but he knew New Orleans as a place, uh, a good place to play pharaoh, lose a lot of money playing pharaoh, and uh, drink <laughs> a little bit too many mint juleps. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, so while he was in New Orleans, uh, he found uh, one of his friends there uh, was from uh, the uh, this colony of Texas. Uh, and uh, Dr. Jones did not think that Texas was a very good place to go. Uh, he heard that it was uh, filled with nothing but pirates and bandits. Um, but his friend uh, convinced him that uh, maybe Texas had a little bit better reputation than that. And so Dr. Mm -hmm. Jones... Uh, crossed uh, Louisiana into uh, Texas. Uh, he landed in Brazoria. Uh, when he uh, landed in Brazoria, he immediately tried to make arrangements to get back to New Orleans as quickly as possible. <laughs> uh, there were no uh, mint juleps to be found in Brazoria. No, no. Uh, he arrived in Brazoria with only $17 in his pocket and over $2,000 in debts that he owed to other people. Mm. Um, but, uh, fortune, if you could say it, uh, would favor this young man because, uh, there was a very, very horrible outbreak of yellow fever. And so they needed a doctor. And so, uh, Dr. Jones, uh, actually having gone to a medical college and actually had, <laughs> a, 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 some wits about him on how to take care of people, uh, started to quickly make a large sum of money taking care of people. Uh, he, uh -oh. when he got to Brazoria again, he only had $17 within a few years, he was making over $5,000 a year. Oh my goodness. And that is in 1830s money adjusted oh for my. inflation. That would be over $150,000 a year. Oh, my. Uh, it is during this time in Brazoria uh, that uh, he becomes known as the father of uh, Freemasonry in Texas. Uh, he uh, uh, founded uh, the first lodge in Texas in Brazoria in 1835, and he served as the first uh, head uh, of that lodge. Uh, after independence, he would co-found the first Grand Lodge of Texas and serve as its Grand Master. Uh, it is uh, during this time as a doctor and through his connections through masonry uh, that he starts making his way into politics. Uh, this is during the uh, tumult uh, of the Texas Revolution. Uh, so very quickly, um, 
Texas uh, was a part of Mexico, um, and uh, the government of Mexico uh, was tired of Comanches uh, always coming inside of Mexico, wanted to put some people in between the Comanches and themselves. And then they found all these people in the United States who were very uh, willing to just go over and be a, 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 a meat shield uh, between uh, uh, Mexico and the Comanches. And uh, they were able to get all these uh, people from the United States to come over to Texas uh, with the promise of cheap land. Uh, land was 12 and a half cents an acre. Uh, so t- lots of uh, people started pouring in from the United States. And eventually the Mexican government thought that maybe there were too many people coming in from the United States. Uh, this really wasn't a whole big problem while Mexico was a democratic republic. But as a certain uh, uh, factions in the Mexican uh, political arena started to campaign for maybe they're not being a representative democracy and maybe they're being a dictatorship instead, then all of the people that were from the United States coming into Texas really became a problem. Uh, another problem was uh, that under the Mexican Constitution, uh, slavery was illegal, and all of these people coming from mostly the United States and the southern states who believed in slavery were bringing their slaves mm-hmm. with them into Texas. Mm-hmm. All of these uh, political things started coming to a real head in 1835. Uh, Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana had declared him self-dictator. He had uh, gotten rid of the um, legislatures uh, in the local states. Uh, So lots of the rights of uh, the uh, Texians uh, were being taken away. They started an open revolt against the Mexican government. And uh, it is during this time uh, in December of 1835 that Uh, Dr. Jones really starts uh, coming into his own in the political arena. In December of 1835 in Colombia, he he, he was one of the first ones to bring a motion to the floor saying that the the consultation going on, uh, trying to get uh, a peaceful reconciliation, uh, keeping Texas inside of Mexico, that whole form of government was not working and that um, Texas needed to declare independence uh, and make itself its own country. And so uh, he uh, in uh, in Colombia, he started in Colombia, Texas, he started um, uh, uh, making motions towards that. Um, uh, during uh, the revolution, uh, he uh, did uh, eventually attend the uh, General Convention, uh, which was held at Washington on the Brazos uh, in March of 1836. And it is at that General Convention uh, that uh, the delegates gathered uh, declared independence and said that Texas mm-hmm. was no longer a part of Mexico. It was its own republic. Uh, Jones was not a delegate there, but he was in the town while all that was happening. Uh, sometime either there in uh, Washington or later on, uh, he enlisted uh, in the Texas Army. He was in Company K of the Texas Volunteers, uh, served under Robert J. Calder as a surgeon uh, during the Battle of San Jacinto, uh, where uh, during uh, that climactic battle, uh, he uh, uh, was uh, uh, taking care of uh, soldiers from both sides. Mm. Um He briefly served as apothecary general in the Texas Army, Uh, and then uh, after uh, he uh, got out of the Army, uh, during the days of the Republic of Texas, he was elected to the 2nd Congress uh, for the Republic of Texas. 
there he served as the chairman of foreign relations, uh, where he advocated for the withdrawal of Texas' annexation proposal. Uh, so as soon as Texas began, as soon as Texas declared its independence, uh, it immediately wanted to join all of their brothers and sisters in the United States, and so uh, mm-hmm. sent a proposal to the United States. And it was in the United States that they said that they did not want Texas to join. It was filled with pirates and bandits. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, oh. Well, you know. <laughs> also, uh, there was the issue of slavery. If Texas came in, it would disrupt the balance of slave states and free states. Um, and it would cause another war with Mexico or a, a new war for the United States with Mexico. So the United States rejected the proposal. Uh, Dr. Jones, as uh, head of the uh, Foreign Relations Committee, said, well, uh, then never mind. We never wanted to be a part of you anyway. <laughs> We're good. Uh, so uh, then uh, uh, he also uh, wrote uh, legislation uh, for the regulation of medicine inside the Republic of Texas. So, you know, maybe a little bit of uh, less snake oil going on. Um, and the expansion of education, including uh, he wanted to have a, a public funded university uh, for the Republic mm-hmm. of Texas. Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was made the charge d'affaires uh, for the United States uh, by uh, President uh, Sam Houston in 1838. Uh, so uh, he was uh, uh, involved in uh, all the discussions uh, between uh, the Republic of Texas and the United States. Um, and uh, he worked on ensuring foreign alliances. Uh, in every role that he had uh, during his uh, service to the Republic, he always wanted to make sure that Texas was in the uh, best possible uh, had all of its options open to it, and it was in the best possible mm-hmm. position for all options. Uh, so he um, uh, uh, worked uh, with the English and the French uh, to make sure that Texas was recognized and to make sure that um, trade uh, was allowed between Texas and France and England. Uh, he also mm-hmm. formally withdrew Texas's uh, annexation proposal, so made sure mm-hmm. uh, that uh, since the United States didn't want them, Texas didn't want uh, the United States. <laughs> um, then uh, uh, Houston uh, uh he served out his term. Uh, the new president, uh, Mirabu Lamar, came in um, and he uh, took back Jones. Uh, Jones was very much linked up with Sam Houston. Uh, Lamar was a political opponent of Sam Houston. Uh, so uh, Jones was recalled. Uh, he was elected senator. Uh, Jones uh, was elected a senator. Um, and he was a fierce critic of Lamar's fiscal and military policies. Uh, Mm -hmm. Then uh, Sam Houston came uh, back uh, to serve his second term as president, and um, uh, it is here that, depending on which Texas scholar you consult, uh, Dr. Jones is known as the architect of annexation, and... from 1841 to 1846, Jones is laying out this plan to make sure that mm-hmm. Texas is in its best possible position. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, he was, uh, Dr. Jones was uh, Sam Houston's handpicked successor uh, to be the fourth president of Texas. Uh, he was elected president in uh, 1844. Uh, and as president of Texas, again, always making sure Texas is in its best position, well, a lot of uh, uh, 
people to the outside didn't understand what he was doing, and they thought that he was soft on annexation. Uh, this is a time where most Texans are uh, a very much wanting to be a part of the United States and believe that Dr. Jones was not acting fast enough. Um <clears throat> Uh, uh, the United States sends an official offer uh, after President Polk is inaugurated in 1845, sends an official offer for Texas to join the United States. Jones uh, waits uh, for three months uh, before calling Congress mm. together because he wants to make sure that the treaty uh, with Mexico goes through. Uh, he was working mm -hmm. on a treaty with Mexico, making sure that Mexico would not invade Texas anymore. Uh, because during this whole time period, Mexico kept coming into Texas all the time. They took San Antonio. They had to move the capital. It's a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. So, but this was this treaty said Mexico officially recognizes Texas as long as Texas doesn't join the United States. Uh, so. He then went to the people of Texas and said, here, I now have this treaty with Mexico. We can be a country if we want. We can continue to be a country. And here is the treaty with the United States saying that we can be a part of the United States if that's what we want. Now you can vote. Well, because he had taken three months to do that, all the people in Texas were furious with him. Uh, they vilified him. They burned him in effigy. Um, he oh, no. uh, was a very unpopular figure. Oh, no, no. Uh, but uh, Jones uh, uh, did call the Congress together. Congress voted for annexation. Uh, the people voted for an annexation. And then uh, on February 19th of 1846, uh, in uh, the capital of Austin, uh, the Republic of Texas flag uh, was taken down, the United States flag was put up, and Dr. Jones uh, uttered the words, the Republic of Texas is no more. Uh, after the presidency, uh, Dr. Jones expected to continue his rise in uh, politics. He wanted to be uh, possibly the... Uh, next governor of Texas, or first governor, really, or the uh, first uh, one of the first two senators. Um, but uh, the powers of that be in uh, Texas politics uh, did not uh, allow that for him. Uh, the people of Texas saw him as uh, someone who stood in the way of annexation, and so uh, even though he had done exactly what the people wanted uh, he did not have much of a political future mm. uh, so Dr. Jones uh, became very uh, um, uh, uh, upset uh, with uh, how people had uh, started to criticize him and his time as president and how people were giving all the credit to Sam Houston for annexation mm -hmm. uh, because Sam Houston was everybody's friend he was a, a glad hander he was the consummate politician the consummate showy person dr jones was not dr jones uh, uh he was elected president without giving a single speech uh he mm -hmm. was known as someone who's very good at the inner workings of government at the bureaucracy mm -hmm. level but not so much in the politician part of going out shaking hands kissing babies all that mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Jones started to fall into a, uh, deep depression, uh, because of, uh, his inability to be elected to higher office. Um, in 1849, uh, he, uh, suffered a horse riding accident. The horse actually landed on his arm and, uh, crippled him. Mm -hmm. Um, he, uh, became, uh, uh, 
even more depressed. He was self-medicating with laudanum, uh, which is mm-hmm. uh, the opium, pretty much. It's a liquid form mm-hmm. of opium. Um, uh, went into a deep depression, uh, and then uh, in 1857, uh, he uh, sold his uh, plantation. Uh, so he had named his plantation Barrington after um, where he grew up in Massachusetts. Um, and uh, uh, he uh, did actually... he, he, he was not brought up in the a slaveholding family in Massachusetts, but did choose to own slaves himself, and mm-hmm. uh, he uh, uh, had several slaves. He was upper middle class uh, in regards to his economic uh, uh, prosperity. Um, his he, mainly having cotton and corn, um, but it, he was no great planter. He was not making a. a a great fortune off of this. And he was trying to be a planter because he was trying to hope that that would get him into politics. But because if you're Mm. a great planter, then you can be a great politician, but that didn't happen either. The plantation was Mm. failing. He was failing in his uh, political life. He sold everything in 1857. And then in a hotel room in Houston on January 10th, 1858, uh, he died of a self-inflicted gunshot wound. Uh, So, uh, Dr. Jones, a fascinating historical figure whose legacy goes beyond just our great, wonderful state of Texas. But when you look at, you know, him as the architect of annexation, um, he, uh, by making sure that Texas joined the United States, that spurred the Mexican-American War, uh, that uh, uh, as a result of the Mexican-American War, the United States became a continental power. It went from sea to shining sea, had everything from Maine to California. Um, as a continental power, that gave us all the resources uh, uh, needed to uh, uh, be a, a huge industrial power and uh, go on. You can extrapolate from that to our success in preserving freedom and democracy in World Wars One and Two and the Cold War. Um, and all of that can really be traced back to uh, the uh, sound uh, uh, leadership of Dr. Jones uh, in, in the 1840s. Wow. That is very interesting. And just looking, you know, going through the information that's in the chart, it's really difficult a lot of times to deal with a person who has Pisces moon because they can absolutely go that far. That's how dark they can go. And Mm -hmm. so that's very sad. I think, I mean, really, it really, it really is very sad. I mean, clearly, you know, he was aroused about clearly he was, you know, in his youth, he was, uh, you know, uh, 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 a rounder, you know. He, he did not <laughs> use his fire for the best purposes, you know. But when it came down to it, he did the right thing, you know. He, he made the right choices when it came down to it. But for him to be that emotional, you know, and that distraught to just check out, you know, that's um that's very sad. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and uh, I would like to uh, encourage uh, uh, those, uh, if you'd like to find out more about Dr. Jones, uh, his household, um, uh, his actual home is preserved at uh, Washington on the Brass State Historic Site. Uh, it is uh, Barrington Plantation. It is a whole uh, living history site there uh, where you can see his actual home. Uh, you can see uh, lots of the interpreters there actually practicing uh, the uh, living history ways, the ways of living back in uh, the 1850s. Uh, they use oxen and they uh, plow uh, fields of cotton and corn, and it is uh, very uh, knowledgeable uh, interpreters there who can uh, uh, help you with uh, all of the questions you might have about his life. Well. He's a very fascinating person. I mean, uh, and he did have a lot of energy. <laughs> I think it would have taken a lot of energy to do all those things that he did. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and I think that he did have that futuristic, you know, thought process. And, and, and I think that he did well with what he did and the, and the way he made the choices too. I mean, not jumping from one thing to another, you know, but right. uh, not everybody is always the popular guy. You know, right. just because you're making the right choices does not make you, you know, the popular guy. So, no. you know, very interesting. Very, very good choice, Chandler. And, and uh, you, you absolutely did do the research on this. It's very good. Uh, I, I think, uh, you know... From from what we've talked about, a lot of the Aquarius things make sense. Mm-hmm. I'm really attracted to the the Neptune mm-hmm. and Scorpio thing. I that could be a possible reason why Masonry played such a large role in his life, mm-hmm. um, but also could uh, you know uh, give insight into his depressive uh, uh, attitudes. Um, Right, yeah. but also that moon, that moon in Pisces is definitely, you know, first of all, if he was addicted to laudanum, I mean, having moon in Pisces can absolutely make you addicted to substances, okay? Mm. It is something that people with moon in Pisces need to really avoid because it's so easy for them to go down that rabbit hole because their nature is their nature is that dreamy aspect, you know, it's ruled by Neptune. So when you're dealing with your emotions and then you're dealing with wanting to escape and go into the dream world, it it can be very dangerous for them, you know, but what's interesting is that what he wanted to do was be a printer, which Mm -hmm. would have been very, that would have been very North Node and Gemini. You know, right. communications to be a printer that that's where he wanted to go. Yeah. So it's, you know, there it is. But I mean, fate steps in and then he mm-hmm. was meant to do this. So And, and you know, you also <clears throat> forced to nurture. Yeah. I mean, being a doctor. Yes. Is, uh, uh, the, the, I'm not exactly sure how much of it was nurturing, right? but. It's the closest thing to it that they could do back then. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. Very, very interesting man. I think that had different circumstances, you know, been there for him. Uh, his life definitely could have gone a very different way. But, I mm-hmm. mean, it's, 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 you know, there's a lot to appreciate there for what he did do, you know? Yes. Yeah.
Good choice, Chandler. Thank you. Uh, well, uh, on our scale of uh, right on the money to way out in outer space, uh, I think this one is uh, a little bit in the middle, uh, mm-hmm. closer to right on the money, but there are a few things that could be off because of um, the unknown uh, time of birth. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think a lot of the aspects do show through uh, uh, of uh, who this uh, who this man was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I can only do so much when I don't have a birth time. So Right, right. You know. <laughs> I think it's very good. Yeah. But I think that, you know, definitely there are clear aspects here. And again, all of these different charts that we do with no birth time, we can at some point play with it and try to figure out how it fits in and how it how it makes sense. It, it wouldn't be the first time. I mean, a lot of people do that. You know, a yeah. lot of astrologers do. So. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, that concludes this episode of History and Retrograde. Uh, we'd like to thank you so, so much for listening. And uh, uh, if you'd like to reach out and talk to us, uh, give us suggestions on episodes or things that we could do differently or just say hi, uh, we are available on socials. Uh, you can find us, uh, you can email us, historyandretrograde at gmail.com, uh, Facebook uh, uh, at History and Retrograde, and uh, Instagram at Retrograde grade podcast uh and uh, there's a link in the description if you are feeling especially generous uh we would very much appreciate uh, any uh, uh tips you may be able to give us uh, in our uh, paypal account that helps us to uh, grow the show uh if you are listening on apple podcasts or spotify uh please uh rate and review uh, we'd very much appreciate that you know this is a podcast all about stars so uh we would love to have uh, all five of those stars from you if you <laughs> good and uh i think uh that just about sums it up uh so as always in closing as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned everything will be just fine it'll be just fine thank you all so very very much for staying with us every week and taking time out of your day to listen to our podcast we're very excited that you do this and we really do enjoy hearing from you it's very fun to hear all the different things that you have to say And we look forward to doing another show for you next week. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. 
That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.